0: Today is Friday and you've reached the Kelly Welland podcast. On today's podcast we have Michelle Weiser, PhD Dean of the Business and Technology Department for St Mary's University coming up next plus, billion another glacier day. Just accept your Lord and Savior. It won't matter in a way. Uh-huh. And we are live with Michelle Weezer. How are you this morning? I guess it's afternoon.
1: I, I, barely afternoon. I am great. Happy to be here.
0: Glad to have you on the, uh, on the program and really appreciate you making time for us. Um, so uh you are the Dean of Business and Technology at St. Mary's University, is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, that's correct.
0: Okay. And and how um how did you get to that position? Tell us a little bit about the the road someone takes to to get into a leadership role like that.
1: It's funny. I was just talking to someone the other day. Um about when I when I graduated from college way back when I never thought oh someday I'm going to be a dean of a school at a university that just didn't you know enter my mind back then I had a corporate career first so I worked with some large organizations General Mills was actually my first employer even though I lived in Missouri at the time I was in sales with General Mills and then moved into different roles with companies like Nestle Purina and Ernst & Young, now EY Consulting, and through a connection, ended up going to my MBA alma mater, which is Washington University in St. Louis. Uh, They were looking to bring someone in to build new employer relationships on behalf of the students, so for hiring our our business students at WashU, Um, I jumped at the chance, and I've been in higher education ever since. So um, at this point, it has now been just shy of 20 years in higher ed, starting in roles working with business students to prepare them for their eventual post-MBA or or post-undergraduate careers, and then moved to Minnesota for a job I had at the University of Minnesota started my PhD uh, while I was there and working full-time at the same time, and that led me into uh, more of an academic administrator role with St. Catherine University and now St. Mary's, and I absolutely love it.
0: Well, that's that's a, a very interesting background, and, and I see that you when you and I did a little bit of research on you, um, just on LinkedIn, but you were a journalism major in yes. college. Is that right?
1: That is correct. <laughs>
0: There's not many You know, that's a that's a profession that not a lot of people are following. My daughter is a a really good writer and inquisitive and wants to make an impact in the world. And I I've always told her you should switch over to journalism, and we need a lot of good journalists out there. So, but you oh, yeah. you decided not to go into journalism.
1: Well, it's interesting. I went into journalism. You'll laugh, and this will date me a little bit, but I wanted to be Katie Couric on the Today Show, and I was naive enough to think I could go to journalism school and graduate, and that would be my job. (laughs) So as I went through the process, I went to the University of Missouri. The journalism school is at the time and still is the top or one of the top in the country. It's an amazing place and as I went through my education, I loved it. I loved broadcast journalism, I liked written journalism, I liked advertising which was in the school of journalism at the time and I kind of veered more toward that path. As time went on and and ended up interviewing on campus for a job with General Mills and and got sucked right into that more corporate path from the very beginning. So yeah. I credit my journalism roots though with so much. I mean, being a communicator, written, you know, presenting, talking to people like you, like it just yeah. gives you such a strong foundation.
0: Yeah, the critical thinking and you know, skepticism when you get answers from people. Yeah. Yeah, All that, right. (laughs) Absolutely. And so now you're a dean and and within your work as a dean, tell me a little bit about related to business and technology. Is there an emphasis? Do you have an emphasis on one or the other of those two or does the school have more of an emphasis or how do you Mm -hmm. how do you view that?
1: It's I think it's really neat. One of the things I love about my job is that I am a dean over business and technology. You can't have one without the other, as you know. And so I really enjoy that it adds dimension and and makes my job more multifaceted. Right now, I would say if you just looked at numbers of students and numbers of programs, we have more on the business side However, if you look at where opportunity lies, it's on the technology side. Um, the market's pretty saturated right now with business-related bachelor's completion or uh, master's degrees, whereas things are just changing and growing and taking off like crazy on the technology side um, I've been in my role, I've been with St. Mary's now for three and a half years. And in that time, we've launched a number of new programs, both in business and technology. But I would say the emphasis on the technology side has been in areas like cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, a number of different um, certificates and programs related to data analytics. So uh, analytics kind of bridges the two Bridges business and technology, where you're, you know, we have a certificate in healthcare analytics, a certificate in data analytics. So, you know, bringing those two disciplines more together. I, w- I would say, too, that as a dean, you know, higher education historically has not been the most nimble in terms of, you know, and, anticipating and reacting to what the market is doing and what employers need. So shortly after I started three and a half years ago, we launched master's level certificates, which are great because they're smaller, bite-sized chunks of education that can be stacked into a full degree if a person decides that's what they want to do, but can also be changed and adapted more easily. So, you know, now we have chat GPT and things that weren't even on the horizon a couple of years ago, we can incorporate that a little bit easier and faster into, you know, those smaller programs. So that's been great.
0: And tell me more about the the smaller programs. So do you have to have an undergraduate degree first and then you go on to the smaller programs? Is that how that works?
1: Yeah. And by smaller, I mean shorter, faster, 12 credits instead of 30 or more for a master's, a full master's program. So, yes, for the graduate certificates, you have to have an undergraduate degree really in any discipline. What's nice about them is that they allow people to change careers Um, So if you're somebody that's, for example, just kind of worked in a a business, a general management type of role, but you want to move more into technology, you can do that um, and you can do that faster. We explored and learned a lot about digital badging as well and learned The true value of that to students and to the university by implementing that along with these new certificates. So as students gain new skills, they were able to share out on LinkedIn, you know, I now know Python, or I now know cybersecurity. And They were sharing them widely. You know, I think we knew this would be a benefit to students, but we weren't even thinking originally about the marketing power of that and attracting future students because they're shared so widely and they're getting so much attention. So what that has done is helped students be able to really quickly communicate and easily communicate to their current or future employers what skills they actually have. Yeah, It's been really nice. And then if you decide what's happened a lot of times is people will think, you know what? It's been a while since I've been in college. I want to get a certificate. I don't think I want to commit to a full MBA or a full master's degree of some sort, but I can stomach four classes and earn a certificate. And then they go back and they learn how to be a student again. And they realize they can, in fact, juggle it all. And they stay on for a full master's. Yeah. Which is great.
0: And I, I wonder, you know, about the, the, the kids like me who, who weren't sure they would be able to get through, you know, a technology or didn't want to put the time and effort at when they're that, you know, eighteen through twenty two or through yeah. twenty three or whatever it was for me. But, you know, does because for me there's a lot of, you know, uh, I look at the market and I say, well, we need more people and we need to start getting less representative, less represented groups of people into technology. Yes. And, and this kind of goes to your shine and rise mm-hmm. pro- program. I'm not sure what you call it, but tell me a little bit about shine and rise and what, what that, the goal of that is.
1: Yeah. So it came together. Shine and rise is a kind of a personal initiative. Uh, I keep calling it a passion project. It. Was born initially a couple years ago during COVID when, for whatever reason, I had a couple of friends who were going through job changes or considering job changes. And I helped them naturally because that's my background. That's my passion. You know, we talked through everything from how do I figure out what I want to do to negotiating a job offer. And what I realized throughout the process is that even my brilliant, smart, accomplished friends often didn't understand the basics of how to work through those different pieces And then, you know, on a larger scale, even how do I prepare myself for that? And I woke up one morning and thought, shine and rise. I don't know where it came to me. Out of nowhere, it just hit me. And I got to thinking, okay, shine is all about figuring out how do I become my best self? Do I invest in education, for example, what we were just talking about? Do I need a new certificate to help make a transition? Whatever that looks like for me do I need to build a stronger resume? You know, do I need to polish up my communication skills? Do I need to develop a personal brand to learn more about how I present that brand out into the world? All of those different things I kind of consider part of shine. And then rise is, okay, let's take all that now and climb the ladder. You know, let's advocate for oneself let's you know not be afraid um, to ask for what you're worth negotiate all those different things so i got down i woke up sat at the kitchen table wrote shine and rise on a piece of paper acquired a domain name instantly i knew nothing about this by the way which proves that you can look, teach yourself new tricks really at any age i had no idea what i was doing but i acquired a domain name And I sat down and within 10 minutes wrote down 58 topics or things that I think I could hopefully help people with and build a community around. And that's where Shine and Rise was born. And it literally just came out. It's not perfect. It's a website designed to hopefully build into some online courses, some community building, definitely a blog you know, some lessons learned, all of that, I just put it out into the world on International Women's Day a few weeks ago, because I thought, you know what, if I don't do this, I'm never going to do it. I can't let perfect be the enemy of the good. <laughs> out it goes. I'm going to practice what I preach. So really, a lot of of where my passions lie, which led to Shine and Rise and which has led to other things is I'm really committed to women and women succeeding in the workforce. And as you know, there's a big need for women in technology. Um, so I get to play a role in helping facilitate that in my day job. And then my passion project, you know, is just about really helping all women and and everyone become more confident and figure out how to rise into whatever they, they want. It's, I'm really blessed to kind of be able to to live um, into both of those things. I will say too, at St. Mary's, one of the things I am most grateful for is the diversity that we do have in our programs. Only about half of our students report, self-report that they are white. So that means the other half are a whole host of different races and ethnicities and, as a dean, I get to read all their names at graduation. And I know they're from different races and ethnicities because we have a beautiful mosaic of of different names and, and different origins. And it's really rewarding to know that the work that I am doing is is leading to a more diverse workforce.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you for doing that, first off, because I think it's really important for our young women to to have you know, that vision. And I think, you know, mm. it also just the fact that you're in the leadership role that you're in, you know, I think is different than it was probably 50 years ago. Where, you right. know, it, the young women can now be looking at you. I have a daughter. It's something that any any dad that has a daughter, you know, wa- wants to see more progress in this direction. We realize how important it is to get um, young women into the workforce and underrepresented uh, groups Absolutely. of color that that haven't been traditionally in engineering and math technology we we just have to do a better job and all work together to to create the right um mechanisms and encouragements and whatever else we have to do to get people those people involved so yes thanks so much uh Michelle for your time Great. uh, Yeah, great to spend 15 minutes with you. For everyone else out there, thank you for listening to the podcast and have a nice weekend. Thanks. Yesterday, <laughs> just give me people.